If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hey, Courtney. Hi. And hi, the squishy. Hey, squishy. I've got the worst lighting of the three of us by far. By far. I need to do something. Well, it's because you're you're reading from paper, aren't you? I will be. So you have to have the light on. I do. That's a good excuse. Thank you for giving me that. (laughs) Really, I'm just looking at it thinking, man, my bedroom has no ambiance at all. And we need to get a video of Courtney sitting here with this like glowing like ball in front of her that keeps on changing <laughs> colors. <laughs> what is that? It's this, I don't know. It's just one of those like battery operated. You just pop it. It's like a little nightlight for your night stand. Oh, okay, cool. And it does different. Yeah, that's cool. It's really bright for a nightlight. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like wake you up sort of nightlight. It reminds me of those things, you know, you used to put in the closet or whatever. You like popped them. Oh, oh the tap lights. Like, yeah, tap, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's we have tap some tap lights. lights. We used to have tap lights. I also have a candle. I thought about using that light. Ooh. That <laughs> you're, too. you're terrified of candles, though. I'm only terrified when they're unattended, okay? That's a reason, reasonable. <laughs> okay. Y'all tried to say hi, so. Hi. Hi. Hi, floating ball and Courtney. Did you just, like, bless us with the ball? Is that what you did? Look like it. Yes, yeah. I blessed you with our <laughs> drinks for tonight, which is bring your own drink again. And what you is have it? have to in the quarantine. Okay, this is an oldie but a goodie. It's what got me through all of my 20s graduate school jack daniels on the rocks <laughs> i've got Cheers. george dickle and i've got george dickle and uh coke uh, i am the same i am monotone doing the cranberry juice and vodka kidney ah, cocktail cool, cool. Yes. what's been going on we're doing like another episode this week because we oh. love everybody Yay. And this is something to research besides the number of cases in the United States every fucking day. Oh, so. no, I don't do that. I, uh, like, completely was offline today. Like, I don't, I care, but I can't right now. It's like, I yeah. can't I absorb it. So, I was, yeah, like, it's very... I'm with you. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. So, I stayed off as much as possible and just texted with a couple of people and my Walmart pickup finally went through very happy. Yay. So I am like, I, I've been like very anxious about the kind of foods that I have and supplies and how, you know, like it's everybody getting the proteins, everybody getting the fresh food, you know, fruit and vegetables and stuff. And it's like, there's some staples that I didn't even really think about that I just like completely ran out of. And I was like, fuck, well, you know, like butter, like you don't ever think about butter and, um, you know, eggs. And I was panicking about butter and eggs, but I'm good. I've I'm, I'm got enough for a week. Probably I could last for like two weeks if I really had to. 
and I'm I'm much calmer now. Good. I'm still shocked by how much my children eat. Yes. And yeah, eggs is hard to come by. Eggs is I've, hard. I've to had come a hard time with eggs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've had a couple of people have been saying like we all need to journal during this time because we're going to be the people that like they're going to write grandparent essays on when they like <laughs> you know, I mean it's like my, my family lived through the great 2020s. Oh, we got low on butter and I don't really think about butter that much. Like, and I mean, we had like this much left and I kept having my orders canceled um, from Walmart. And of course I wasn't telling anybody not to use anything. And Chad was in there like slathering some stuff like um, bread and <laughs> butter. I was like, don't use that butter. <laughs> she jumps, she slaps the knife out of his hand. Slatters to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well that's what i texted i texted patrice earlier this week and i was like i wonder if the domestic violence rate is gonna go up oh, while no. this is happening mm-hmm. because people are forced to be together all the time yes. under very stressful circumstances yes so, and you and if you i have, shouldn't be laughing it's not funny it's everything not funny, has to be funny but to you me, have right? to laugh in order to like not scream or cry but it's serious it's like because i'm very aware of how much everybody's eating Um, which is one of the benefits so far of being like on the second, I don't even know how long we've been on the court, second week of quarantine. Uh, we've been drinking so much water that like, uh, Max's acne is cleared up. Whoa. Awesome. I know. Uh, you know, we're eating better cause I'm fucking cooking all the time. Uh, and so, you know, those things, if I, but because I'm cooking all the time and I'm seeing how much we're eating and I'm seeing like every time Max gets hungry, which is basically all the time, um, you know, trying to give him like the most protein that we have because meat's hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's when we switch to eggs because thank God he loves hard boiled eggs. And so, you know, and he could like literally eat five to six hard boiled eggs in one sitting. So damn. Yeah. It's just like trying to like keep him satisfied, but not like underfeed or overfeed. It's, it's been stressful. Mm-hmm. I told everybody, I was like, I'm taking tomorrow off of feeding you and figuring out how to feed y'all. I'm just <laughs> have to deal. Yeah, I've been that aware last. of toilet paper usage. I'm like, I think I've been, <laughs> I've been really frivolous with my toilet paper use up until this point. <laughs> like, I you get one square. One square. How do you get by with five squares for certain things? Mm-hmm. Like, just really pay attention. I just like roll around my hand. Like, oh no, can't do that anymore. <laughs> you start unrolling. You're like, shit. <laughs> It's just me. I'm having to feed, so I'm pretty good with that. I'm worried about my mom, though. I talked to Marley about it today. She's 71. She lives in a very small town, Fife, Alabama, as listeners will know. And um, she, like, sleeps like a teenager. She, like, stays up all night when she retired and sleeps all day. And now there's all these times for seniors to go to the store and shop, like, so that they would be less compromised. But she'll never, she'll just have to stay up all night and go in, like, at (laughs) 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Because she slept till like three this afternoon. That's wow. what she did, and I was just like, "Mom, 
you got it. And I said, do you know what the grocery store has? Have they changed their hours? I hadn't checked. And I was like, have you talked to anybody? No. (laughs) You do know what's going on, right? (laughs) She didn't seem to know a lot of things she needed to know. But I tried not to scare her. Right. Yeah. I texted my folks to see how it's going. And they, they're still able to pick up stuff at Walmart pretty easily. Um, and they seem to be doing okay. So, and they know how to do that. Use the app and stuff. Uh, yes. I'm going to have to have a whole Skype like visual. If I could even get my mom on a video to show her how to do it. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> my brother is still having to work. Um, and he was, I was like, you have to go on site because he does networking. He's like, he's doing a lot of things for the city of Hoover. And he's thinking he may have to go in tomorrow to do something. But he tries to remote in when he can. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Good God, it's like, do you need me to make you a mask? I will make you a mask. <laughs> it's like, put a panty liner over your face <laughs> and clip it with some little, like, folder clips and rubber bands and just, like... Be careful. <laughs> oh, Lord. Funny, not funny. I know. It is funny, not funny. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I posted one thing I wanted to talk about pre-show. It's like my sweet potatoes. I got to talk about my sweet potatoes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, not really me, have had somewhat success growing a bunch of herbs that I really didn't have to do because my mom ordered like this automated system to do it for me. (laughs) 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 Because I am such a cereal plant killer. I mean, I'm just (laughs) so bad at it. I do not have the instinct. It's just like, if I remember them, I water them too much. They die. If I forget about them, I don't water them. They die. (laughs) It's just, there's like, there's no in between. And so I kind (laughs) of got cocky, like having this thing, like grow all these wonderful herbs for me. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do some sweet potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I'm going to post, I've got three sweet potatoes that I did like, you know, the like somebody said the second grade you know middle school or the second grade elementary school project um get trying to get them to sprout i think i'm going to name all three so that i become personally attached to them and that way i'm not objectifying them and they think of them as like real things so that i'll take care of them <laughs> what are you gonna name them? I don't know. How are you going to bury them when they die? Oh, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll grow if I bury them. I don't know. Oh, yeah, so I, I thought I would put them They're online resurrect. and get like, you know, maybe some people to help me name three different sweet potatoes. I have a name oh, for yes. women already. All right. What? What? Viola. Viola, yes, yes. Hope she'll be delicious. Jesus. (laughs) Oh, but also like I had a bunch of really uh of people like give me a bunch of tips. I'm like I love everybody's tips. I love how easy they said this is going to be, and I'm like y'all. Apparently, you do not understand. (laughs) I have killed aloe vera before. I have killed <laughs> aloe vera. 
you have that very sophisticated herb garden. Yes. But I it's don't... like the howl of our it agriculture. Is. You know, it's like, it, it... hello, Patrice. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's like, Parched. Can I have some water? <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> yes. Talk like Alexa. It does. I have an app for it. Oh my god! It really does help you. Yeah, you can remote water them, can't you? Like, can you do that or no? no can you not? No. Well, they're hydroponic, oh, okay. so they're constantly in water. So it just sends me an alert when I just need to like go fill it up and. You know, if I could like attach that to our water supply, and I would be like even better. Oh my gosh! But anyway, I wanted to give a shout out to Kathy and Abby, who Kathy who did a picture of sweet potatoes, and she's like, I started out with three, and then she had like twenty. So that's like that my was goal. very cool. That's my goal. That and was. then Abby is there like growing onions, and I'm totally gonna try that with some onions I've had in my pantry for a while. I need to do that too. That actually made me want to do all the things. And I was like, Oh, I'm just setting myself up for failure. Oh, but, well, me too. You know, what have I got? But what else? Right now. Right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we have all the herbs. You helped me plant herbs the other day. I have all oh. those from my, that I posted. Yeah. Your herbs are great. Well, I can, I can put them in a pot, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> about where my responsibility level Reaches I need your muscle to come lift those pots for me because oh, the yeah. strawberries. What did you plant? Planted thyme, rosemary, oregano, strawberries, something called lemon balm. I don't know what it is. Hmm. Um, I think that's all. I I think lemon balm else. keeps away the mosquitoes, maybe. Good. It's growing really well. Yeah, my mom Two used to grow a lot of lemon balm. I think you could do like a tea with it as well. Put it in tea or something. Looks like it it's sounds very leafy. like something that would be like a tea mm-hmm. balm. Balm. Well, maybe I can make a cocktail with it once Woo-hoo. this is over. I hate. I don't, yes. I'm not just phoning it in. Like I don't want everybody to risk their lives to go get ingredients when all you need is. And these times is just uh, alcohol and a glass. Well, you don't even need a glass, but today we've stepped it up from drinking <laughs> on the bottle. <laughs> oh, I was trying to think, like, you know, I I attempted to do the uh, peach brandy over oh, Christmas. Yeah. And yeah, I said, whatever oh, whatever happened to that? I threw it out. It was done. <laughs> I was just scared. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is going to be really good. Or I'm going to get some kind of weird bacterial infection. <laughs> oh, my God. I would have totally gotten that infection with you. I would have tried it. I would have tried it, too. Speaking of that, though, remember Barlea. Okay, so I stocked up. On, like, one of the first things I did after groceries was I bought, like, a six to eight bottles of wine and a 24-pack of beer. And... <laughs> Awesome. All the essential alcohol. Oh, yes. I had to like clear out my empty bottle because I have a wine rack, but I've never been able to keep wine in it because I drink it so fast. So it's just decorative <laughs> with like pretty bottles that I've liked over the years in there. So I was cleaning out some of the bottles to put full wine in it and pulled this bottle out of I have no idea where it came from. It is definitely some type of homemade wine that has been recorked in a bottle with someone wrote an S on the top. And it has this weird sediment in it. And uh, we were looking, 
shifting it back and forth. I could uh, unveil. I could open it live for the show and see what. <laughs> oh my god! You know, because it's funny. I I oh, did say I would try now. peach brandy, but I said I would not try that shit out of that bottle. Like not seeing all the stuff that was like floating around in it, uh-huh. but. I was like, that was strawberry. I think that was strawberry wine. And and I think it still may have had bits of strawberries in it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, the next time, like, a seasonal fruit that can actually go out and buy comes into play, I am totally, like, brandy in it. I still have, like, all the yeast and stuff. So that's all you need is, like, sugar and yeast and whatever fruit. You know, maybe I should do that over this this time that we've got hmm. the good use of our Look that up. Alcohol. yeah yeah We're gonna, it's gonna be oh my god it's gonna be the comeback of bootlegging in alabama yes. oh my god yes <laughs> oh my silver god. linings silver linings. i know <laughs> <laughs> well i guess that's um i guess the only other thing i could think of that we need to talk about was uh patrons oh you probably got a yes. preponderance of messages from us this weekend yes. because we uh patrice taught me how to help with the sound stuff and so we cleaned out the backlog of after shows we do we so if you're we are up to date so if you are not aware we do have a, a patreon 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 and um like a three dollar a month patreon and people who participate in it every week get an an extra episode basically it's a little bonus of an after talk of stuff that we don't talk about on the show but we just keep on talking so um we were about 10 episodes behind we were we were 10 episodes (laughs) behind and that was all me because i just got backlogged and didn't have time because i was never at home and guess what (laughs) it was like very easy to catch up (laughs) Well, and it was like once uh, and now I have the. it took forever for me to get the software because you can't just do it on whatever. Like, right. And so now when she taught me how to do it, I was like, oh, I can help with this. So, yay. So we yay. probably should be able to stay current now because if one yeah. of us can't do it, the other one can. And absolutely. Um, anyway, so you are up to date. We're sorry it took a while, but you've got all your extra stuff. Yay. I hope yes. you enjoy it. You're out of drink already, woman. I am. Well, do you need to re-up before I start a story? Yeah, let me do that real quick. All right. I'm a story, y'all. Do I'm going to settle in. <laughs> you settle in. Hug, hug your squishy. I got to hug my squishy. All right. These are the kind of weird, like, things that we say when everybody's, you know, everybody's broadcasting from their bed. It's like, grab your stuffed animal. Give it a hug. All right. <laughs> So here's my story. Um, So in 1975 in Hazard, Kentucky, Alva and Hilda Stacy went to the hospital to have their baby, Benji, little boy. And the doctors looked at him and right away they knew something was wrong with him. So they sent him by ambulance to Lexington, Kentucky. And they, you know, they're probably talking to the EMTs on the way saying like, I don't get it. All his vitals are great. He's plump. He's healthy. What's the problem with this kid? And then they get him and they look at him and his skin is blue. Uh, Okay. And two days of testing at the hospital and there is no explanation for this little bluish boy that they have in the NICU. 
And so they decide, okay, uh, clearly something's not working. So we're going to do a blood transfusion on him. And, um, as they're preparing to do this, Benji's grandmother, like goes up to one of the doctors and says, have you not ever heard of the blue fugates of troublesome Creek? And so it turns out blue people were actually not as much of an anomaly as everybody thought they were in this area. They were known as the blue people around Troublesome and Ball Creeks in Tennessee and in the Appalachian Hills. And most of the information I have about them comes from uh, an article that was written by Kathy Trost from Indiana University in 1982. Um, <clears throat> and the, the people that they lived around always kind of speculated about what made the blue people blue. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, oh, maybe they just got bad circulation. Maybe they just got bad lungs. Maybe there's just something, you know, their heart just doesn't quite work right. And she interviewed somebody who said there was one old timer that said their blood is just a little closer to their skin. <laughs> but <laughs> nobody knew and nobody really cared why they were blue. This is like this little tiny community. And, <clears throat> you know, originally the the first ones that showed up, it was 1820. So. I mean, they were cut off from everybody else. The doctors never came to this area, you know, did for a very, very long time. The people generally didn't get that sick. They didn't see that many. They lived long lives. So it wasn't like a huge thing, you know, at a certain time that there were blue people here. But then in 1960, um, this hematologist, I don't know how you say his name. His name is Madison C-A-W-E-I-N. And I keep on wanting to say Cawain, but in my head, I'm going back to like my English major days and I'm like, Sir Madison Gawain. But that's not who this is. But I call him Cawain, I guess. I don't know how you say C-A-W-E-I-N. So he started working at the University of Kentucky's Lexington Clinic in 1960. And he starts hearing offhand rumors about these blue people. And he's a curious person. And at one point somebody said of him that he just loved the beauty of blood. Like he was kind of poetic. He's, his grandfather was actually the Kentucky, Kentucky poet laureate. So he was, you know, he was wow. a different kind of dude. Yeah. Um, loves blood too. The beauty who does? of blood. Dexter. Oh God. <laughs> he does in a different way. God, I hope so. I hope in a different way. <laughs> but he, um, So he's like, he's a curious person and he's gung ho about this mystery that he hears about. So he starts in his words, tromping around the hills, looking for blue people. Um, And so he kind of just tries to collect rumors to try and find out where he can find them. And then he runs across the American Heart Association Clinic in Hazard, Kentucky, and he meets a great big nurse named Ruth Pendergrass. And, um, Ruth has apparently been trying to get doctors to research these blue people ever since this one day when it was really, really cold and she's working in the county health department and a dark blue woman walks in and asks her for a blood test. And she's like, I thought she's about to die. Uh She's like, I thought she's having a heart attack. I thought she's just going to fall straight down, but she's not alarmed at all. She says, I come from the blue Combses who lived up in Ball Creek and the Fugits are my kin. And that was enough explanation for her. And so How she was like, are we talking? This? That's the thing. I was like, she said her face and fingernails were almost indigo blue. And I was like, but you've seen so these blue t- people before, haven't you? I only, no. when I looked up, have you picture- not? 
I had never seen it. I was like, are we talking like Pantone no, 19? No, like they're Pantone like Smurf blue. They are fucking blue. They are Smurf blue. <laughs> they are blue this people. real. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's it is. Legit I can't believe thing. you've never heard about this. It was like a big thing I like a few years you ago. You were shaking your head, Patrice, like you knew what she was talking about. I do. She's just... <gasps> Oh Go my ahead. gosh. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And I, until I researched <laughs> for the show, I hadn't, I mean, they've been, this one's been on my list for a while and I just hadn't done it. But like, um, mm. uh, until I started researching for this show, I'd never heard of them. Yeah. I saw so, like a news, uh, somebody did a, a news story on one of the guys and he looked like Papa Smurf because he had like the white beard oh and the white hair and now, he was all well, blue. Now here's the thing though. Okay. That, if that was, it was like Paul Cranson, I think was the name of this guy that went around and he actually, there was somebody who was like blue with glasses and a white beard who actually was not a fugate. He was like, he told everybody that he had taken colloidal silver and he had done it to the point where he turned his skin turned blue. Oh. And that was like some weird hoax to sell a product. I don't, but oh, really, I don't know. There was some weird. And uh, like I said, we'd have to look into it because okay. It, he, his picture is on all these things that you look that's at it. about the Fugates. And I can't see it. You're blurred. Him. Yes, it's yep, that, that guy, guy. With the suspenders. He is not a Fugate. He is oh. not in the family. Okay. Um, but it's weird because every time you look them up, he's the person that shows up. Yeah. But there are pictures of some of the other family members, though, that I can share on the site. Okay. Um, cool. Totally, with attribution. But um, anyway, so... Um, so she's seen these people and she's like, I don't know. I don't know how this is possible. And she's been looking for somebody to look into it with her. So, um, and about the same time as she sees this woman in the health department, another of the blue Combses, um, not the Fugates, but the Combses, that's her last name, Luke Combs has taken his sick wife up to a clinic in Lexington. And one of the doctors and it ended up like, I don't know what was wrong with his wife, but I don't think she got very good care because everybody spent the entire time looking at him because one of the doctors described him as quote blue as Lake Louise on a cool summer day. <laughs> oh my God. They're so poetic. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so Kyle Wayne or whatever his name is, Sir Kyle Wayne and, and Pendergrass start and tromping around night. the hills. Yeah. The blue, the blue night, Sir Kyle Wayne. <laughs> um, fending off he said the two mean dogs that everybody had in their front yard and i was like well that's legit though mm. um and so they would like they'd be walking along the hills and if you remember i'm pretty sure troublesome creek came up when we talked about the book women of kentucky mm -hmm. and the fact that there were there's roads in this in, and this is the 1960s so there's more but, but um you know it's still pretty remote and so they're talking about like trying to have really just like hiking around some of these areas and they say that they they would spot a blue person like up on a hill ahead of them and then by the time they got to them they'd be gone it's <laughs> like they were like hiding seeking with them so they've got no luck and also you know these are private people and they don't really want strangers up in their business for probably very legitimate reasons right. and um and some not so legitimate yeah. but you know they're not they're they're going to see these two strangers wandering around and not be running out to greet them necessarily. So, um, they're not having any luck. And then one day, um, Sir Kyle Wayne is in the hazard clinic and Patrick and Rachel Ritchie walk in and he was quoted in this article as saying they were bluer than hell. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a br 
brother and a sister, um, Patrick and Rachel, and um, he did an examination of them and there was nothing unusual about their health. And he's like, I don't know how to get to the bottom of this. So he just starts talking to him and asking questions. Do you have any other relatives who are blue? And he started to sit down and chart a family tree from these two. So what he comes up with is this. In 1820, there was a Frenchman named Martin Fugate that moved to Troublesome Creek because there were land grants in the area. And so he had, he was an orphan. I don't know what his life was like in France, but he moved to Kentucky and there were in none of the official paperwork says anything about him being blue, but like everybody in the family knows that he was a blue dude, you know, he, he showed up blue huh. <laughs> and, and he so was um, there found blue people from France. Is this a thing? They didn't, it didn't say anything about it. Okay. Though they did say that there are other communities of blue people in Alaska that have been studied. Okay. So there, there probably are in other places. Um, so there was no official recording of him being blue. The family says he was blue. He found this, um, he found a woman he fell in love with or married, whatever, whatever you want to say, Elizabeth Smith. This was like a redheaded, super, super white wife. And they moved together onto the banks of Troublesome Creek and they had seven kids and four of them were blue. And wow. so in this little tiny community, no roads, you know, no, no rails, no, no nothing. You don't have a way to meet other people. Right. And so what do you do? You marry the girl next door. Who's probably your cousin. Right. And that's the situation we're in here in Troublesome Creek. Right. So, um, they talked to a guy, a 51-year-old coal miner who was like an amateur genealogist like, you know, all of our parents are. Um, his name was Dennis Stacy, And he said, if you'll notice, and he like takes his finger and traces the line down the family tree. And there's his mother's great-grandfather and his father's great-grandfather. And they're both Henley Fugate. <laughs> and he goes, I'm kin to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so. Fugates married Fugates and Combses and Smiths and Richies and Stacys. Those were the main families that were in the area, and they all married one another. Um, one of Martin and Elizabeth's blue boys was named Zechariah. He marries his own aunt, and what? it's this bloodline of theirs that leads a hundred years later to little Benji Stacy, who was born in 1975 in the story at the very beginning. Game of Thrones shit going on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> So Luna Fugate, who was little baby Benji's great grandma, was, they said, like one of the bluest Fugates known to the Appalachian region. Um, they said she was blue all over. They said they'd never seen a woman bluer than her. <laughs> they said her lips were the colors of a dark bruise. And um, she was perfectly healthy. She lived 84 years. She wow. had 13 children. Bless her. Wow. And um, her husband, his name was John Stacy. He outlived his blue wife. And um, John Stacy talked to Kathy Trost, who wrote the article that most of this I've, I've been using for. And um, he talked about his father-in-law, Levi Fugate, who was, he said, part of the family that showed blue. He said all them fellas back then was blue. One of them I remember seeing when, he, when I was just a boy, they called him Blue Anne's. And most of the people, they went by the name, the blue Fugates. And they looked like anybody else, except they had the blue color on their skin. And the only thing John Stacy wouldn't talk about in this, in this interview was that his wife, Luna, was the bluest woman anybody had ever seen. 
And um, Kathy Trost said when she asked him about it, he just shakes his head and then he stares forward and he won't say anything about it. And she said, you know, he it'd be hard to doubt him, um, but you can't find another person who doesn't talk about Luna being blue. And there are photos of Luna blue. And um, I think the thing is, it was really shameful to be a blue person. Because even though nobody knew what the cause was, everybody knew that blue folks was inbred. Uh. And so they they were like, it was a physical manifestation of something that people became like once they started kind of moving out into the greater community, came to look at as a really horrible thing and a stigma and something that they couldn't be proud of. And, and um, so even though by the time... Kyle Wayne came to Troublesome Creek. The community had been able to like branch out and there were roads and there were railroads, but the stigma was still like definitely there. I mean, the stigma is still there, right? I mean, right. it's not something that you generally do, but you recognize kind of looking at the situation that there were no other people there. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> so the stigma is probably why when the doctor sees the Richies in his clinic for the first time, he said, Patrick was all hunched down in the hall Rachel was leaning against the wall. They wouldn't come into the waiting room because they were embarrassed. Uh Um, So, you know, he can see just like anybody else that there's like a heredity thing working in this family, but he wants to understand what it is. So he rules out heart and lung diseases because they're allowing him to do like full examinations and blood work and everything. So he suspects that there's this rare hereditary disorder involved called methemoglobinemia mm. methemoglobinemia maybe hemoglobinemia okay. anyway um so in this um there is an abnormal amount of methemoglobin which is a non-functional form of hemoglobin so hemoglobin is what distributes oxygen to your body and um, like the blood cells that take oxygen, oxygenate, I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> this is the best I can do. And <clears throat> methemoglobin, if I'm saying that right, is a type of hemoglobin that is altered by being oxidized. So it's useless basically in carrying oxygen around the blood. Mm-hmm. So normally people have less than 1% of this non-functional hemoglobin. But when those levels rise to greater than 20%, you can have like usually like, you know, 30%, you can have really bad consequences like death seizures, but at levels between 10 and 20%, a person just develops blue skin without any other symptoms. The patient's lips are purple. Their skin looks blue. The blood is chocolate covered because it's not, or covered. The blood is chocolate colored because it's not oxygenated. And that's the, that's where the fugates fell. So it's like all that blood that you see in your hands, you know, in the veins, in your hands, Mm -hmm. that's all that, that, um, and so all the blood that was, you know, reflecting through their skin is blue and that's why they're blue. So he comes to a couple of dead ends as to why they had this disorder. And if you want the details and actually for other things too, because there are a whole bunch of other colloquialisms and really cool shit in the Kathy Trost article. And I'll link to that. But if you want all that, it's like reading a sixties version of like house MD It's pretty cool to see like all the kind of dead ends he hits and how he figures his way back around it. But after a lot of testing and patients, um, the families and he discover that none of the people 
or blue have this enzyme called diaphorase in their blood, and that's what converts methemoglobin back to hemoglobin. So they were missing an enzyme that would correct this, um, and that's the reason why their skin turns blue. He finds out that it's passed down as a recessive trait, and since they were all breeding in inside the of them were getting two recessive genes for it. And that's what it requires for the trait to actually show up. So people with one would be just a carrier. So the crazy thing is this blue dude from France manages to find a lily white redheaded Kentucky woman who happens to have the exact same recessive gene as he does. And they start making blue babies. Oh, like wow. that's how unlikely that whole situation was. And, um, so I had to, to to even talk about this. I had to get on TED Ed and like and like watch a video about Gregor Mendel and how like do you remember when you were like in seventh grade science class and you had to draw the little quadrants with like the lightning crack obsessive genes and why why dominant genes? Did you have to do that? Yes, totally did that. And I was like, that's all I could think of. I was like, the the peas, the peas have white flowers. The peas have pink flowers. Like what? <laughs> that's all I could think of when I did all this alleles and genomes and all this shit I'd forgotten all about. So you should watch that Ted Ed talk though, because it's got these funny little pea characters and they dance and scream at each other and think that they're cheating on each other. You should really watch it. Um, <laughs> so now he's got this answer. But he does. What is he going to do about it? You know, he's got all these blue people and they've been letting him study them and take blood and everything. So what is he going to do to help? So Kawin and Pendergrass have run all over the hills finding these people. They've earned their trust. And now he's thinking and all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, he pulls out this giant flask of blue dye. And they're all like, what the fuck? We're already blue. Like, <laughs> how is this going to help me? And it was called methylene blue, which is a medicine and a dye. And um, methylene blue activates an alternate process for converting that methemoglobin back to hemoglobin. And it what? works really fast. <laughs> so so Cawain and Pendergrass head over to Patrick and Rachel Ritchie's house, the brother and sister who had come to the hospital. And they set them down and they inject each of them with 100 milligrams of methylene blue. And they change colors. Oh, my God. They like, have this on video? Pendergrass was like, this was fascinating. Not that I could see, but I'm, maybe they do somewhere, but I doubt it. Um, right. But they said within a few, 1960, when they started the research, I don't know how long it lasted, but it start, he got there in 1960. So there could be, feasibly. Um, but yeah, they like within a few minutes, they were pink. And um, they were. <laughs> he said they were delighted. Now methylene blue gets peed out before too long. So one of the guys said, I could just see all that blue just coming right on out of me. But um, they, he ended up giving all the families like a daily supply in pill form so that they could take it every day and they didn't have to be blue anymore. So um, I bet they felt better, like fun. actually getting oxygen into their blood and stuff. You would think it would have done, but it's weird because it didn't cause any health problems. So I, it's so strange. Like you would think any bit of that would cause health problems, but I mean, they seem to be healthy, but hopefully maybe they had more energy or something right. after at least. But, um, so anyway, little Benji Stacy, the baby at the beginning was one of the last blue fugates. Um, he, he actually grew out of his blue 
he, um, after like a few, few weeks, it was only his, um, lips and his fingernails would still turn purple blue when he got really mad or cold. And so the medical students who were like fascinated with him would like crowd around and try and make him cry so that they could see him change colors in the hospital. What assholes. Because they're a bunch of assholes. Ah. Um, But he never needed the blue dye. And, um, as far as I know, he was living in Alaska and perfectly healthy and happy. So yeah, that's that is the story of the Blue Fugates of Kentucky. Wow, that is fascinating. What made you stumble upon Weird. this? I I can't remember. Like you just I randomly choose different search terms. Like here, I probably just typed in "Weird Kentucky" at one point and got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated. I've never heard of this. And the two recessive genes, I mean, so there could be people who don't look blue and then they get together and they could still have blue blue babies then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the weird. redheaded woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. I'm going to have to look it up. You're going to have to look it up. There aren't as many. Pi- I thought there'd be pictures galore. I didn't yeah. find that many Well, see, pictures. the dude I was thinking of was Papa Smurf, the guy that did it to himself with the silver, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like the actual like jeans, recessive jeans. Yeah, I'll have to. I, I do have a picture that I had saved of. I could screen share with you, but that wouldn't be fair to the people on the radio, no. on the Internet radio. <laughs> on the Internet radio. So, <laughs> all right, let's take a quick break to refresh our drinks. And we're back. So, I have been reading Foxfire books um, and like some of the ghost stories and stuff. And that is not what I'm going to be doing my talk on tonight or my story on tonight. Uh, it may be coming up because there's some like really good stuff in there. Um, and it's been, I've been really entertained. Uh, but some of those stories are a little hard to read because they're like written in the vernacular of the people. And so you have to like literally like say it out loud to figure out what exactly they're saying. (laughs) So it's kind of slow process of reading, but very interesting. But this story that I'm covering tonight is actually, um, popped up in my Reddit feed like yesterday and I was like okay let me look into that because I haven't (laughs) like looked much into it and then I realized it was on this book that I have that you can't see but it's uh American Monsters by Linda Godfrey um, which is another really good book so in July of 1988 in Lee County North no South Carolina uh the sheriff's office there was investigating a report of a car damaged overnight while parked at home in the area of Brown Town outside of Bishopville, South Carolina. And this is on the edge of Scape or Swamp. So tonight I'm going to be talking about the Scape or Swamp Lizard Man. Oh, the Swamp Lizard. Oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah, so... The car reportedly had, like, tooth marks and scratches with hair and muddy footprints left behind. And the sheriff there noticed that after this report, uh, then they started to have, like, various claims of people 
talking about seeing something out near the swamp that looked kind of like a lizard. And one of the best known stories about this lizard man sighting back in the late 80s here was from the 17-year-old local named Christopher Davis. One night he was driving home. He worked at McDonald's and he was driving home after work and it was about 2 a.m. in the morning and he had a flat tire. So he pulled over and was like, you know, changing the tire out, jacking up the car and everything. And he saw a creature that he said was more than seven feet tall that was like running towards him really fast across the soybean field. Um, And it was coming from the direction of the swamp. He described it as having like greenish black skin, maybe fur, matted fur. He couldn't really tell, but it had like these glowing red eyes and it ran upright like a man. And so he's telling the sheriff this. And he said it was running so fast that it was actually kicking up dust from the field. Davis got like really quickly, like opened up his car door, got in, dove into the front seat and the beast like rammed into the rear of the car. Luckily, he had already finished changing his tire and had put like, you know, the tire back, the, the bad tire in the trunk. So he jumped in the front, closed the door. And just as he was closing the door, the beast like, rammed into the back and like actually moved the car forward even though he had the emergency brake on like you know how you put the emergency brake on when you're changing a tire so you don't Mm -hmm. accidentally roll over yourself so it lunged the car forward and it was just crazy it's like it was way too strong to be human he started the car and as he was Mm -hmm. like trying to drive off the creature grabbed the door handle and tried to open it but Of course, he took off, and as he was driving, it pursued him, and he hit, like, 30, 35 miles an hour, and he heard, like, a thump on the car's roof. And all of this, y'all, this was in my, um, this is what came through Reddit, but it was a clipping from a newspaper article, because there are several newspaper articles about this write-up, about this man's experience, young man's experience. Oh, wow. So the creature had jumped onto the car, you know, when he hit like 30 miles an hour and he saw some fingers coming down on top of the windshield. And of course, as like he's already freaked out. And so he starts to swerve to throw it off. The article goes on to say that Davis's father was awakened by this young man, like honking his horn at like three o'clock in the morning when he's driving home, he said that his son like honked his horn before he even turned into the driveway, pulled in, stopped the car, didn't turn the car off, didn't shut the lights off, basically bolted from the car and was really freaked out because he thought the animal was still on the car. And his dad says that, you know, he was shaking and crying and just like really upset. So this happened about two weeks before they had that first report of a car being damaged uh, that the sheriff was talking about. But they didn't tell anybody, of course, because they thought, you know, they didn't really know what to think about it, really. So they kept it quiet in the family, and they only told, like, a few close friends. Of course, you know, word kind of got out, and somebody had told this deputy And this came to mind when this deputy was investigating this other incident with the scratches on the car that the people reported. So 
they interviewed uh, Davis and was asking him about this. And then again, around this time, and so this is like the summer of 1988, uh, about this time, there was four teens, about 3 a.m., came into a sheriff's station. And y'all remember being like a teenager out in the middle of the night. The last thing you want to do is go to a sheriff's station. Like usually <laughs> if you're out at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, you're avoiding like the sheriff and <laughs> all the things, you know, kind of deal. But these uh, teenagers, four of them, drove to the sheriff's station and said that they saw a creature run across the interstate 20 and jump a six-foot fence. Damn. And so, and they came in and they were like terrified because it had like passed right in front of their car and they watched this thing happen. And so they saw how like honestly terrified these teenagers were and the um, they called a highway patrol to go out there and investigate. And the highway patrol said that there was like fresh big tracks that was over where they saw and it convinced them that there was actually something out there. They also noted that there was like two battered cardboard trash bins and a broken tree limb dangling about nine feet overhead, kind of the area where the thing had jumped over. They came back the next day, and when they came back, the officer said that something had walked across their tire tracks from the night before and left like a fresh set of three-toed footprints. And they said that it was like about 14 by 7 inches prints that led into the woods. So not only... Yeah, so 14 is, like, bigger than, like, a normal ruler kind of thing. Oh, my that God. That is a foot. Yeah. Oh, man. Here is a foot. So they followed the foot tracks, and it led, like, several hundred yards into the woods towards the swamps, and it ended in, like, this thicket. And it really spooked, like, high patrol, they're pretty much badasses, or such at least they always seem that way when they pull me over for speeding right you don't <laughs> you don't want to fuck chips? yeah you don't want to fuck with the highway patrol was chips highway patrol was yeah chips california was... interstate highway patrol highway yeah, interstate, highway patrol. interstate patrol. patrol yeah that seems redundant california highway interstate patrol i don't know i'm sorry chips. but it makes chips. chips man i used to watch that all the time <laughs> so this highway patrol was actually like a former marine and it freaked him out. And he was like, it's really kind of too consistent. The, the prints were to be fake. And he like tried stomping down like himself on the dirt to try to make a footprint. And he couldn't do it. But he said like these prints that were made were about an inch deep. And the claws appeared to sink to a depth of about an inch and a half. So he was like, <clears throat> it really didn't seem like it was somebody else playing a trick, you know, a hoax or anything would do. So, of course, the word got out of all these things happening there, and the media picked it up. I think a t-shirt maker named him Lizard Man, and so it kind of became like a local celebrity. Tourist attractions happened, local radio stations offered like a million-dollar reward for anybody to capture a creature alive. All of these things were happening. Um, multiple people were reporting now seeing Lizard Man. 
one of the airmen stationed there at Shaw Air Force Base filed a police report, like alleging that he had encountered Lizard Man on Highway 15 around that area and that he shot and wounded it. So a lot of like people making all these claims, although the the airman that made that claim actually letter like said it was a hoax and he was Uh, doing it just basically to keep the stories about lizard man circulating and to keep people coming in because it it soon became like a huge like attraction for the area like you know tourists monster hunters and whatnot mm -hmm. we're talking about it reminds cliff off in the ufo days yeah exactly and the boggy creek thing too and they started having like you know lizard man festival just like the mothman festival kind of stuff and you know big promotional it really like boosted the economy of this place in 2008 cnn mentioned lizard man legend in a story um about the couple in Bishopville, South Carolina, who reported initially the damage to their vehicle that kind of like started everything. So they did a little segment on it. Uh, This book that I have has Lizard Man in it. Like a lot of people like, you know, reference Lizard Man uh, and everything. And uh, (laughs) even like in in 2017, South Carolina Emergency Management Division sent a humorous tweet saying that regarding possible paranormal activity during the solar eclipse that pass over the area, <laughs> hinting that people of Lee and Sumter counties should remain vigilant for sites of lizard man. So, you know, all of these people were doing it. And one thing when I was reading this uh, newspaper report about Davis, who made this like claim and he had the biggest story and the most detailed about like his encounter with this thing, uh, while he was changing his tire, uh, in 2009, Davis was actually killed. Um, oh. and oh. it happened to be what they think is like a drug related shooting. And the sheriff was like speaking about Davis afterward, because, you know, this is, this is the boy that had like all the newspaper, uh, attention on him. And then, you know, to be shot, and some sort of seemingly or alleged drug, you know, activity and stuff, the sheriff like stepped up and spoke about his character. And he was like, you know, this young man came in and he's like, we have interviewed people before and people who lie cannot tell the same story consistently. There's always something that changes. And he was speaking like to the character of Davis and saying how that this actually like through all of his interviews that he did, that he was saying the same thing over and over again, and his story did not vary at all. So he totally believes that Davis was, you know, this really had happened to Davis, and it wasn't a hoax, and he wasn't trying to pull anything over on anybody. But it still remains a thing, and if you go to that area, you still have, like, Lizard Man. It's all kind of lizard man sightings and it's still being talked about and there's like alleged video and then there's hoax video and uh what city is it again it is it's in south carolina it's lee county it's it's the scape or swamp area uh bishopville south carolina it's like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, that's what I keep on thinking of when I think of it. Like, is that kind of the, like, is that kind of 
the way it yeah looked. But I'm actually picturing. Have y'all ever seen Swamp Thing? Came out like in the eighties. Oh, Swamp Thing. Yes, I'm kind of picturing that. That kind of like looks to me like because a lot of people say, well, it was probably just a bear. Um, that doesn't sound like a bear. I know, right? Uh, but then, yeah, what... Did you know that Swamp Thing was turned into a TV series in 2019? I did not know that. Uh, apparently, it ha- uh, we should look that up. We should look that up. It reminds um, me of an episode of The X-Files with the Lizard Man. Oh, my God. The Australian guy. Uh-huh. The, that wear lizard. He puts on a human. He, like, well, yeah. Like he, he turns into a human in the full moon. Yeah, yeah. That's an awesome one. Ah, I have not seen that. I love that one. It's like one of the funny, quirky ones. Cool. Um, swamp thing. Yeah. Marley, you're you know, is it, is she is frozen it, to you? Uh, can you hear me, though? Yeah, I can hear you. Can, um, I keep on, is it weird that I keep on like being fixated over whether this lizard man had pants on or not? Like, I don't, like, I would say I just keep on, no. Was he wearing purple pants? Like No purple <laughs> pants. No. Is that a Marvel character? It's not, the Hulk wore purple pants, right? Is that, is that what I'm doing? Am I doing Maybe. a green character with torn up purple pants? Maybe that sounds Maybe. like a thing. Uh, yeah. I'm so unoriginal. But the Hulk also fought like a lizard man. So that was a thing. And too. so did He-Man. There was a lizard man in He-Man also. Mm-hmm. It's, a, so it's, it's a thing. It's the human imagination mm-hmm. is all about the lizard man for a reason. Time-honored tradition. Time there had to have tradition. been like an Egyptian lizard man god too. Ah. has to be a thing. Okay. And that, sorry, oh rails. no, that was it. That's that's my story <laughs> of Lizard Man at the Skateboard Swamp. I just found it very interesting. It's like they have, the th- and then it's like the whole community embraced it, but they never really like proved what it was. And I think they even did like a cast of the footprints that they found. So I don't know. Hmm. I don't know what to think of stuff like that. It sounds just like all the Bigfoot stuff, though. It like goes in the same mm-hmm. vein. Mm-hmm. We still haven't gone to Cherry Log, Georgia, to the Bigfoot experience. Bigfoot expedition, not. Bigfoot. We need to do that and see the Bigfoot poop. We'll have to do that. I'm sure they're closed down for coronavirus. I'm sure. Yes, the giant poop. The giant poop. I, <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing until our friends Marcy and Mariah went and took a picture in front of the giant fucking Bigfoot poop that they have in a glass case at the Bigfoot Museum. Yes, and it's literally a log. It is. Bigfoot lays a log. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Oh, go ahead. Well, hopefully, we we might we might do a live. We might do try and figure out how to do a live stream next week. So be on the lookout. Love you. Bye bye. Bye.